Persuasion is not to be seen as tricking or forcing other people to your point of view. It is to be seen as understanding what engages and opens other people up to new ideas and insights. I'm Vinod Vadwani and this is Life Acumen at Work. I'm a long-time executive coach who works with corporate leaders to help them in seeking new perspectives while focusing on tangible benefits to them and their organization. On this podcast, I share perspectives from the coaching conversations I've had with corporate leaders and the specific challenges they faced in their work life. On today's show, I will talk about a challenge one of my coaching clients, someone we will call Ketan Desai or KD, was facing in his role as a chief strategy officer at a large metals and mining company. KD's challenge was that he was struggling to effectively influence his key stakeholders. As a CSO, KD works with the CEO, CFO, the board and other stakeholders in the company to create, communicate and execute an inclusive growth strategy for the company. KD also gets involved in identifying mergers and acquisitions and joint venture opportunities for the company to support its growth strategy. On this show, I will talk about why and how KD needs to hone his persuasive communication skills to become more effective in his role as a CSO. So, keeping Katie's coaching agenda in perspective, let's start with how do you define persuasion? Well, persuasion is about the communication efforts we make to influence or change people's attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. Persuasion is not to be seen as tricking or forcing other people to your point of view. It is to be seen as understanding what engages and opens other people up to new ideas and insights. That's an interesting perspective. Let's dive into some of the persuasive communication strategies you discussed with KD. I started by asking KD to reflect on how he engages with people and how does that influence his persuasion ability. So how does engagement influence persuasion? Well, engagement essentially measures the attention people give to your message and how interested they are in your message and how deeply they think about it. It's crucial because it amplifies your message's impact. Even if you have a compelling argument or point of view, without engagement, it might be overlooked. The goal is to get people to pay attention to what you're saying, which increases the likelihood of making an impact. But don't you think in today's information overloaded world, grabbing attention seems challenging? Absolutely. In a world full of distractions, it is important to know some practical techniques and principles for building engagement. Our ability to engage people has become more valuable as people have become more distracted and their attention span has decreased significantly. Can you elaborate on some of these techniques and principles? One of the key principles is to make it clear to the audience from the very beginning that your message is important. One effective way to emphasize the importance of your message is by demonstrating its relevance to your audience. People naturally pay attention to things that personally matter to them. And you can employ some practical techniques to establish this connection. For instance, you can highlight relevance by emphasizing physical and temporal proximity. What is physical and temporal proximity? In simple terms, physical proximity, for example, refers to things that are happening here and now, around you, around your audience, or in your community. And temporal proximity? Temporal proximity refers to things that are urgent, immediate, or current. By conveying that the issue at hand is relevant because of its current nature, 
your audience is more likely to find it personally important and become more engaged. Another powerful technique is to upfront inform your audience that you will be seeking their opinion or input or will be asking them to decide on something during the course of the discussion. If they know you'll be asking for their active involvement after your message, they are more inclined to pay closer attention. So, letting the audience know in advance that you will be seeking their perspective at the end increases their engagement significantly. What are some other techniques for increasing engagement? One other effective strategy to increase engagement is asking questions. So, instead of making an assertion, at the beginning of your pitch, pose a question to increase engagement. Coming back to KD, what were some of his behaviors which were coming in his way of engaging persuasively with his stakeholders? One behavior in particular which I thought was holding KD back was his tendency to often get into a passive listening mode, or to put it differently, neglecting active listening. Failing to actively listen to different points of views of others was diminishing his ability to connect with them. The consequences of passive listening also resulted in KD often dismissing alternate viewpoints or failing to understand underlying motivations which hindered real engagement and diminished his persuasion ability. The other consequence of neglecting active listening was that KD was not able to catch the certainty or uncertainty cues from his stakeholders. Could you share some insights on this certainty and uncertainty aspect and how we can tailor messages to leverage both certainty and uncertainty? Absolutely. Look, the overarching theme with the certainty-focused strategies revolves around situations where people are already aligned with you, in principle. They support your idea, hold the desired belief, or share your point of view. In such cases, the goal is to bolster their certainty. This can be the catalyst that propels them from merely liking your idea to taking concrete actions such as making a purchase or recommending it to others. So it's essentially about reinforcing their existing position and making it more robust? Exactly. It's largely about strengthening their stance. We view certainty as a form of position strength. So, if you sense that you have been able to develop some level of certainty in your audience, strengthen it further. Certainty of beliefs and attitudes can be reinforced and solidified. It is like a muscle which can be strengthened with exercise. Are there specific techniques to enhance a person's sense of certainty? Very much. Social proof is one specific technique which you can use to enhance sense of certainty in your audience. So, let's say you established that the audience is aligned with your position. Then using the concept of social proof in conveying that other people also share the same perspective can strengthen their certainty. The more consensus people perceive for their views, the more assured they feel about those views. For instance, if you inquire about my opinion on something and then reveal that 90% of the people you've asked hold a similar view, I'm likely to feel validated and confident in my assessment. That's fascinating. Yes, it's a very powerful strategy. Let's talk about uncertainty. How does that work? When it comes to uncertainty, it's more about sparking engagement. While certainty is effective in converting attitudes into action, Uncertainty is better at prompting people to seek more information or contemplate a subject. Creating moments of doubt or wonder in your message can ignite curiosity. People become intrigued, wanting more information when there's an element of uncertainty. Triggering a bit of uncertainty can draw people in, making them more interested in the information you're presenting. It's interesting how these dynamics play out. 
Can you talk about the resistant forces that might prevent the adoption of whatever it is you're trying to persuade people towards? That's a great question. Often, when we set out to influence others, we focus on the promotional messages, all the reasons somebody should adopt a particular belief or behavior. However, there are often strong restraining or resistant forces that come to play which can undermine your persuasion efforts. If you sense that your audience is being resistant or skeptical, adopting a less forceful, more supportive tone can be effective. Using supportive words like we, us, together, or emphasizing that we are all on the same team tends to open people up. Supportive, non-forceful language can be instrumental, especially with individuals who are naturally skeptical or resistant. So using inclusive language creates a sense of unity, opening people up? Yes, it helps. But there are cases where it may not work, especially if people perceive a significant divide. Having said that, using an inclusive language, focusing on some common points or shared goals, emphasizing them with the right language can mitigate resistance. It's about making it believable. Coming back again to your coaching conversation with KD, which other behavioral derailer was acting against him? I observed that KD was over-relying on authority and assuming that authority equals influence. The mistake he was making was using positional power or authority excessively to push decisions without adequately considering input from his stakeholders. This was causing an undercurrent of resentment in his stakeholders. And because he was neglecting active listening, he was not able to latch on to the attitudinal clues from his stakeholders. Can you elaborate more on the attitudinal clues aspect? See, to engage effectively with your audience, another related strategy is pro-attitudinal framing. When dealing with someone's attitude, you can categorize it as positive or negative. A pro-attitudinal message aligns with their positive stance on an issue, while a counter-attitudinal one opposes it. When faced with a potential disagreement, like a hiring decision at work, opting for a pro-attitudinal approach softens the impact. So instead of outright disagreement, acknowledging positive aspects before expressing concerns helps maintain a less resistant atmosphere. So a more collaborative and nuanced approach? Exactly. If your colleague supports a candidate you find unfavorable, acknowledging the candidate's positive qualities before expressing your concerns softens the resistance. It positions you on the same side, making them more receptive. And it also seems to reduce defensiveness, allowing for a more open conversation. Precisely. When addressing resistance, you are essentially dealing with defensiveness. A cooperative and inclusive approach minimizes the perception of threat in your message. You're not attacking their intelligence or validity. You're opening a dialogue. It may not completely shift their stance, but even a slight movement can be enough to achieve your goal. Persuasion doesn't always require a complete turnaround. Small steps can lead to significant outcomes. That's a crucial point. Many approach persuasion as an all-or-nothing scenario, but understanding it as a continuum is important, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm a strong advocate for those little wins in persuasion. Softening a person's position even slightly can yield significant results. Coming back to Katie, what were the three key takeaways for him in the coaching conversation with you? Well, the first one was get your audience engaged. The second one was establish your credibility, focusing not just on expertise or authority, but on trustworthiness and openness to diverse views. 
If you can show that you have those kind of qualities, that you're open to different perspectives and can be trusted, it's easier to connect with and engage your audience. And the third one was, boost their certainty and conviction. So, once you know that you've got your audience on your side, focus on building their certainty. Give them some sense of conviction and confidence. Because that's the catalyst that can translate an attitude into action. It translates liking your idea or your product to actively supporting it, buying it or recommending it. So the three important takeaways for KD on his coaching agenda of persuasive communication were get your audience engaged, establish your credibility, and then boost their certainty and conviction. Building real engagement with your audience requires communicating credibility, not through a position or authority, but through a combination of competence, trustworthiness, and a willingness to consider alternative perspectives. It requires stepping down from your position of authority and recognizing the role of empathy, vulnerability, and humor as a tool to diffuse tension, engage the audience, and make the communication more relatable. Listeners interested in the subject of building a better relationship with your boss may tune into my episodes on Is your manager undermining you? and Why you must build bridges with your boss? As I wind up this episode, I would like to remind listeners that you can tune into all episodes of Life Acumen at Work on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Thanks for listening to Life Acumen at Work podcast. I'm Vinod Vadwani.